What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another Smart Announced Table Edition of Smart Out Moments Smack Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Mango, and joining me on the mic for this episode is Callum Wiggins. Two miles of chain. Hold on, let me give you my uh, baton real quick. And just smash things. <laughs> do you think? Do you think that could punish the human body? It might. I don't know. And also, somebody who's back is Robert DeFelice. <laughs> I don't know if I'm better than ever, but we've got two miles of chains, ten tons of steel, and Shawn Michaels in some really doo-doo brown looking tights. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> yes, we are preparing ourselves for the upcoming first ever women's Elimination Chamber match coming up at Elimination Chamber 2018. And you're going to hear me say the word Elimination Chamber so much during this. But to prepare us for that, we are going to be watching the first ever Elimination Chamber match of them all. This took place at Survivor Series on November 17th, 2002 in Madison Square Garden, New York, New York, of course. And if you're unfamiliar with what the Smart Announce table is, well, essentially what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be watching that match, just the match itself, not Survivor Series 20, uh, 2002, I almost said, 2002 <laughs> in its entirety. Uh, no time to do some, what is it, uh, two hour, 45 minutes uh, type of thing? Nope, not going to do that. Uh, what we do, though, is we will be watching the match itself and just kind of uh, goofing around and saying our commentary for it. Not our color commentary, just our <laughs> thoughts about, you know, the match itself and any kind of jokes we can think of and insight that we can point out and anything else like that. So, unfortunately, for copyright reasons, we cannot give you the video of the match itself on our YouTube channel. So, instead, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go to the WWE Network yourself and you're going to have to set your time to the time code of 1 hour, 52 minutes, and 31 seconds. That's 015231. And when I give you a countdown of 3, 2, 1, play, well, hit the play button. You'll be synced up with our audio, and everything will run smoothly. Unless we have an issue. And if we have an issue, then we'll try to figure it out. Figure it out. But uh, that is how it works. So remember, it's 3, 2, 1, play, and that's when you hit the play button. Get yourself situated here. Got yourself uh, all good. Yeah, there you go. 152.31, everybody. Three, two, one, play. So now you should just see uh, Bischoff just pretended like he was going to hit somebody. <laughs> he probably should have. And we get to hear good old Fink. Nobody beats the Fink. Although I did outthink the Fink once. Did you? I was on a live chat of NXT, and I called him out on... A mistake that he had made and he was like oh yeah that's right sorry and then i messaged him and said that i just outthink the thing and then he didn't retweet anything else that i was saying <laughs> ladies and gentlemen it's 2002 and we have saliva coming to you live from wwf new york i'm sorry wwe new york they were WWE by this time hey, wait, yeah what? this isn't jargo's theme all right now uh, for reference i don't think i've ever seen this match if I have, it's I might have seen it only once. So uh, now I'm confused. Saliva, saliva were performing the um, theme for Survivor Series. Uh, they uh, it was always I think was the theme for this entire event, that, and so that, they decided. That's a fact. Yeah, and so they, Josie Scott here in the prime of his career, looking like uh, the Undertaker and Paul Bearer had a really rock looking child. Hmm. So why yeah. don't they have him actually coming out to his music? Because well, Saliva don't play his theme, 
So well, the... I think the anthology album that this is featured on was just released, and he came out to it for like a month or so, but then they just went back to break walls down. Yeah, I think they intended to him to have this theme for a little while, but decided just to go back to the original one. Also, it's going to get quite awkward because I think they stick, stick with uh, Saliva playing it while he's in the cage for about two minutes now. So, <laughs> yeah, There's this also, is pretty strange. Yeah, they have to get their shit in. Jericho sings his own song again in like 04 with Don't You Wish You're Me. He uses that for a month before going back to break down the walls as well. So, uh, I mean, I like the song always, and there's other Saliva songs that I remember having in my collection, but I don't remember offhand what exactly ones they are. I don't pay attention to bands ever in any capacity. Like, I don't give a shit who sings any song ever. And looking at these dudes now, this is so 2002. Oh, it's Mm. so 2002. It's great. Like, I mean, this guy is just going to pop up on, like, TRL and be like, you know, yeah, you know, it's all, like... We're going for a different sound, man. Stuff so, like it's like uh, All this the rings the and shit. Of, these were the years in WWE where they were transitioning. It was like saliva one year and then Limp Biscuit the next, and then back to saliva and then Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Trading between those two, <laughs> and we go from saliva to Booker T. To classic Booker T theme, an actual good yeah. theme. Okay, so this is firmly in the era where Booker T looked uh, confused all the time. <laughs> the whole, like, oh shit, where am I? Madison Square Garden? Oh, right, fuck, it's the chamber match. Okay, never mind. To put no. it into context, this is before he's, I mean, he's probably challenged for the World Championship before, but this is before he goes into, like, the big feud with Triple H over the title. He's the only one here who did not challenge Triple H this year. Everybody else has had Triple H all year, and this is hell for Triple H basically the premise of this match and so this is an era that you guys were uh i mean there's there's a different range between us like i had stopped watching a little bit before this i stopped in it was 2000 or 2001 so i was not watching this at the time hence why i said i I don't think i've ever seen this match actually before um but Callum, you didn't start watching wrestling until after this robert what about you were you watching around this time i there's actually never been a point in my life where I wasn't watching. I was nine here, and I remember watching clearly to this day. Hmm. I mean, I was watching this. I mean, I think this is one of, it's definitely one of the first pay-per-views I ever saw. Might be, it was either this or WrestleMania 19. I'd only started watching wrestling uh, around about, like, middle of 2002. And I wasn't watching Raw at the time, so I definitely don't remember watching this match live. Yeah, a lot of my friends who are the same age say that they didn't watch Raw a lot as a kid. My parents really didn't care, so I I watched Raw until 11 o'clock. And, you know, with all the hot lesbian action and everything they had (laughs) going on, should not have been watching it, but I was. Or should you have, and it formed you into uh, (laughs) what you are today, that kind of thing. Hey, so good old HBK. Michaels. And this With... is, I was going to say, this is right at the like origins of the Triple H reign of doom uh, with the World Heavyweight Championship, which basically killed Monday Night Raw and a lot of people's interest in professional wrestling Whoa, in general. Well, okay, we're going to go back and forth there because Triple H here 
this is the prime Triple H to me. Like, this is Triple H at his best. This whole match is going to be a showcase for Triple H. He starts the thing with RVD. That much I remember. And it's really, really good. Triple H is top five all time for me. Hmm. I, uh, I I have my issues with Triple H here and there, but I mean, he's he's not uh, top five, not maybe not a top ten. I don't know for sure, but Triple H is up there. I, Although, I mean, you I know what sucks? HBK's hair. And tights. And his yeah. tights, man. Yeah. Oh, this right is- now he's still stripping off the tights, so it's still fine. But when he does, I mean, uh, you got like the AJ Styles kind of mom haircut and... <laughs> HBK, even back in 95 or so, he was he had some good tights on him, but th- what was the decision with this one? It was just brown? Is that the Roman Reigns logo in the middle of the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand it. At Stupid all. Don't thing. <laughs> That's supposed <laughs> to be a cross? Because he's just a, a newly reformed Christian? Yeah. I mean, this is only his um, second match since, well, second WWE match since 1998. Isn't that weird? It was like, oh, Sean might kill himself at SummerSlam. Oh, wait, he's healthy. Let's throw him in this first ever chamber. There's a lot of like, I mean, I don't know if how much you guys know about like the event Survivor Series in general. There was a big feeling because obviously there was a previous match for the uh, WWE Championship was Brock Lesnar versus Big Show. And that was actually meant to be Brock Lesnar versus Hulk Hogan. Huh. What? T- yeah. But, um, well, essentially, they didn't do it because uh, Hulk Hogan refused to lose the match. So, <laughs> so you, but this is again, this is my issues with Triple H in this period. It's nothing to do with him in the ring because I think he's definitely a brilliant ring general and great in between the ropes. But this was the point of time where he was using his influence to basically get anything he wanted at this point. It's, it's I mean, he still has that to his day, but now he's kind of using it in a better way with NXT. Yeah. But now this was all about just pushing him as the as the guy when he definitely wasn't the guy. Well, how does Maybe that factor in with the Lesnar match? He fought in those twelve months. That was the guy. He went through the WCW roster after this. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to lose the title either. Well, let me put it this way: the fa- I've always left with a sour taste in my mouth that he didn't drop the title to Booker T at WrestleMania 19 because Booker T was ready at that point, and he essentially killed him until king booker came around wait rick flair is coming out with him is this uh pre-evolution like the start of it right early evolution before evolution he just teamed up with um flair okay so they're not uh orton's not a part of it yet and neither is batista now we got a couple months before we get there all right this is (laughs) pre-evolution this is primordial right now like look at how look at how the mass on him here. <laughs> yeah, you'll see that on a lot of superstars. This is definitely pre-steroid. Pre-steroid uh, free, free. And Rick looks uh, a whole lot healthier since it's, you know, yeah. oh, 16 this is, years in the past. Yeah, this is uh, the well, the point of time where Ric Flair still looked like the guy in WCW, and then he gradually gets a lot older in the next few years. Yeah, by the time he hit his retirement, he started to look like what he does now. Mm. So, Tony, what match got you out of wrestling and what brought you back around? Well, what got me out of it was I got sick and tired of every single segment 
being let's talk about the rock and stone cold and it would be like the new age outlaws would be out there wrestling i don't know the headbangers or something like that and they would be like yeah but did you see what stone cold did earlier and uh, did you uh pay attention to it let's cut to a video in the bottom corner of the screen of what he did earlier and it's like i'm watching a fucking match right now like why are you doing that and I got into middle school and that was like a whole, you know, there's always a transition when you go into middle school and you're trying to like find out what's cool and stuff. And nobody else was really watching wrestling. So I couldn't even like talk to anybody else about it and stuff. And I just kind of gradually got out of it. But what got me back was actually Dace one day was like, so uh, you haven't watched wrestling in a while, right? And I was like, nah, not for years and stuff. And he goes, you know, DX is back back in 2006. <laughs> ah. And I was like, fuck yeah. All right. I'll watch this. <laughs> like, and I was confused as hell because there's like the spirit squad and I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah things, things have changed a lot, but, uh, so, I actually got back into it. Uh, oddly enough, like 100% soundly. I, I was kind of going back and forth here and there in, in the 2006, 2007 range of like, I don't know if I really want to start watching wrestling again and like, uh, kind of like testing the waters. And then the Benoit thing happened. And I was mm-hmm. like, at the time I talked to my dad and I was just like, yo, you remember Chris Benoit? And he's like, yeah, you know, the WCW guy. And I'm like, yeah, apparently he just like died. And this is back yeah. before we knew, you know, what was going on. And we're like, oh shit, let's watch Monday Night Raw tonight. Like then the next day, hey, remember what happened last night on Raw? <laughs> 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 oh. Triple Jeez. H hits the steel. First person to hit the steel. <laughs> it's an honor. Oh, I f- yeah. Put oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hunter's going to kill himself here. You'd hope so. Uh, to put this into sort of context, uh, Triple H had only recently been awarded the World Heavyweight Championship by Eric Bischoff, Bischoff, so he hadn't won the match, won a match to win the title. He's defended it a few times so far against uh, Rob Van Dam and Kane, and Kane at recent uh, pay-per-views. Also, um, the match against Kane was uh, the... Um, the uh, end of the Intercontinental Championship for a while as well, because he unified that title with the World Heavyweight Championship. That's so weird that they would have done that. I know. Made yeah, this is a weird time period. There was only the two world, the two tag team, and the women's, right? Yeah, they were going crazy in, um, like especially towards the end of uh, Raw. He's already busted open Triple H. <laughs> they were going crazy towards the like, especially in 2002 for Raw of unifying titles. Like well, the, they had a lot useful. Of them, though. Yeah, like at the start of um 2002, they had the um European Championship was still there, and the Hardcore Championship was still there. It was all gone by this point. Good. We don't need that European title. Oh, this is a. Love- See, this is what I don't like about Rob Van Dam. He just did some flip for no reason to do a flip to set up a flip, and it's like. <laughs> Dude, you're How bouncing around all over the place, that- and all you need to do is just kick him in the fucking head. You know, yeah. like. But how hilarious is that in context, looking at 2018 and where we are with the flipping style of wrestling now? Oh, like, yeah. I'll like it if they're doing, like, if there's the style of the match is flipping, but, like, Triple H is not a flipper, and, uh, I don't know, like, RVD always made it, like, it's kind of, it's like, slow flips a little bit, too, so it's always just like, oh, let me just roll around a little bit here, <laughs> like, and you know, yell at Chris Jericho off. for a second. Jericho for some reason. Yeah. Actually, I think the reason is because Jericho's next. <laughs> oh, no, I thought Goldberg was next. Wait, what's the top of the... Uh, th- is that Mesh? 
like yeah, because uh, they don't do that anymore. They have uh, the plexiglass on the top now. Yeah, the, I mean the new elimination chamber is definitely like more conducive to what RVD is tr- trying to do now. Yeah, that how good are Hunter and Jericho? Oh, they gr- they were great at this time. I think Jericho is like Jericho's one half of the world tag team champions at this point with uh, Christian. Yes, Christian. <laughs> they actually end up losing it uh, the next month to uh, Booker T and Goldust. Yeah, how did that flip work for you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Essentially, like you just hit Triple H with your arm and just threw yourself on the <laughs> steel. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do here? I'm gonna break my ass. That's what I'm gonna do. Sure, uh, just praying for him now. For context <laughs> of the time period, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man had like just happened a few months before this, and there's a lot of Spider-Man references. Oh, does fucking Bone Saw pop up in this? <laughs> Be Bone great Saw's if Macho ready. Man just pops up. Bone saws ready to el- eliminate some fucking chambers. And like, you know. I mean, Randy Savage wasn't here, but uh, this was uh, the pay per view that Scott Steiner debuted in WWE. Like, re debuted oh, in WWE. Yeah, I know. So, With the uh, sirens? Yep. Holler if you hear me. I'm really sad about that Hulk Hogan news, though. I would love to have seen a pay per view program with Hogan and Brock. All right, now we got our first countdown. Yeah. I wonder, we should probably be timing the uh, bits in between the people entering to see if it's just as wild as the Royal Rumble stuff. Well, they're five minutes in between. Yeah, but is it really five minutes? Or is it just when they feel like it's right? Yeah, I'm assuming that they just kind of go on a whim. Just kind of <laughs> like, sense. they've got like a counter and it's like, are we around the five minute mark? Yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. Like, So I don't know if that's still the same sound effect or not. I don't think that that is. It doesn't sound no, familiar. definitely not. No. That beep, oh, there's beep. blood on the floor or on the canvas of this ring already, and it's not from Triple H because it was there during the entrance. I'm wondering who was bleeding earlier in the night. Oh, that would have been. Um, I'm trying to think who would be bleeding at the start. I mean, Triple H is busted open, so the women but... did have a hardcore match that night. Trish yeah, and Victoria. I'm trying to think if anything else would have caused it. I, yeah, I don't. I don't remember anyone else uh, being busted open any other match than that. I think. The only thing I remember from that was uh, Victoria got busted open at one point. But... Yeah, that might have been her blood. Oh, here's so... the uh, Spider-Man. Oh, there oh. you go. Yeah. <laughs> here's the Spider-Man. Spider-Man! <laughs> it's, it's funny, there's only been one pin attempt this entire match so far. Real quick side note, do you guys like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man? Uh, I think I think it's it gets it gets bad rap. Yeah. If you give me the first uh, Spider-Man movie with uh either Garfield or Holland as Spider-Man and well all right, give me a uh, Garfield as Spider-Man, give me Emma Stone as Mary Jane and do that first movie, then you've got the best Spider-Man movie. I never liked Garfield as Spider-Man. I, don't, cool. I never saw the Garfield Spider-Man movies. <laughs> You're not missing too much. <laughs> uh, Jericho's about to do his, like, yeah. Special Come pose. on, baby. Adam Cole. <laughs> Adam Cole. <laughs> wonder how old Adam Cole was during this match. Twelve. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Let me look that up. Kane <laughs> ever put Katie Vick in something like an Illumination Chamber? Oh, God. Triple yeah, about. That's like three weeks removed from that. This is where yeah. we are. 
and people w- wondered why SmackDown was killing it in the ratings compared to Raw. Ah, fuck. Adam Cole is younger than I am. <laughs> he was yeah, born in 89. So he was 13. I joked that he was 12. <laughs> Fuck. Give me one of those uh, chains. Let me hang myself. <laughs> well, the two heels like ganging up, considering the fact that in a male, whatever, Chris Jericho and Triple H were fighting in a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, they, kill e- they killed each other in May with that Hell in a Cell. Doing the socket. You can't do that anymore. He's a Christian. So the uh, Elimination Chamber, I mean, let's talk about this, because this, it hasn't changed much over the years. We've had however many of them that we've had since uh, 2002, and they've got pretty much the same structure, and they've changed a couple things here and there. Yeah, they kind of um, make it a little, like, octagonal or whatever uh, shape it is now, but... You still have the chains are still there the way that they are. They're probably sturdier and a little bit safer now. Um, yeah. But you've got that metal grate on the outside there. That, to me, has always seemed like that is probably the thing that hurts the most. Yeah, I'd imagine yeah. so. Like, you're, I I, right now, they're standing on here, and they're throwing them against the side. Well, the you know, the chain's oh. got some give to it. That can't hurt too much. Well, they managed to hit the ball there, Rob. Yeah, the yeah. bar... <laughs> They don't just hit the bar. They are the bar. <laughs> when you hit them on the, you you know, your body slam them on that grate or something like that. That's just got to fucking hurt. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is um obviously the first of 20. I think there have been 20 elimination chambers now. Jesus. Really? Yeah. And I'd, st- I'd still argue that this is one of the better ones. Do you so guys, um, for reference of the time frame that we're at right now, I mean, we're recording this a little bit ahead of time, recording this on the second and it's not going to go up for a couple days, but with the elimination chamber that's coming up with the women's we've seen uh sasha banks just on this past episode of monday night raw damn near kill herself with doing a a dive and it sounds mean to say but uh yeah it was a good ddt (laughs) it it sounds mean to say but a lot of the women's matches don't necessarily end up coming off as safe as some of the men's do you guys think that we're going to get a pretty bad injury this time around with the women's I'd match? It depends on who's in there. I mean, if Banks is in there, there's always a chance. Hang on well, now we know Booker T's in there. <laughs> why Why do you got to crap on Sasha? What did Sasha do to you? Well, thankfully not a suicide like, dive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem with Sasha. I think she's a great wrestler, but she, there's no doubt that she's going to kill herself in the ring one day. <laughs> But I think she does that really. to try to recreate matches like this instead of playing it safe the way both genders on the rosters do now. Real yeah, quick side they... note, you see the little patch in the ring? Yeah. <laughs> they patch the canvas. Just notice it right now with Booker doing that. Right around Booker's feet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, with the women's match. elimination chamber match, obviously, I hope that we don't get any kind of injuries because it's never good to have any kind of injuries in WWE but I like you look at like the way that they are doing this now and how even after 20 whatever uh, matches they have still not figured out a way to make this match safer for the most part no not really so I'm just a little bit nervous about um, you know you might get somebody like like a Dana Brooke if she's in the match or something like oh, that who isn't too like yeah. too safe in the ring 
does some kind of move and just slightly botches and before you know it she body slams uh bailey head first onto the grate or something like that you know like yeah i mean i'm thinking if nia Jax is in the match somebody's going to go through the plexiglass oh yeah naya will charge towards somebody and they'll move out of the way and she'll go head first into the plexiglass that's a guarantee even though she actually Bailey and Sasha do a double drop kick, and she goes flying ass first through the plexiglass. Yeah, that might happen too. There have been a couple of times where people have gone through the plexiglass, and then there's that one time where Mark Henry did that whole thing. Oh, scissor kick! I think you actually are a little bit ahead of me. No, I was, uh, I was just, I was, I was just calling it because of this I think you were calling it beforehand. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a minute. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, know at, what, I know what the setup is. I'm at two fourteen thirty nine forty. Yeah, remember, check it remember in the old SmackDown games where that nope. wasn't even called a scissors kick, that was just called the Booker T, the Booker T special? <laughs> what? Uh, Why? It's not like it's an uh, offensive name. I don't know. They just, I guess they didn't know what it was called. By the way, hmm. RVD's about to kill himself. Oh no, this is re- this this goes really, really badly. <laughs> this uh, is right, bad. I'm curious about what this is now, because... I do not know what's coming up next. I mean, I'm assuming it's a frog splash that's like bounces like a crazy knee. Well, it's the worst frog splash ever. Oh, Oh. that yeah, that wasn't really good. See, is that where he injured his trachea right there? Yeah. Oh, Uh, RVD actually like legitimately landed on Triple H's neck, so he like really injured his uh. He had trouble breathing basically for the remainder of the match. Oof. And he fucking finishes the, the match. See, that would not happen today. And if RVD that happened, nearly with the women, blew his leg out. Yeah. Everything's fucking done if that happens with the women's match. Everything's canceled. Yeah. Hmm. And Booker T gets him on a missile drop kick, and that's how RVD gets eliminated. That much I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's the last time I ever remember seeing someone get eliminated, like, get pinned after a missile drop kick. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. Even Lawler's like, whoa, shit. <laughs> yeah, the crowd just booing the hell out of that. Yeah, RVD in well, New York. RVD in New- yeah, thank you, Tony. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, he tries to pin Triple H here as well. Do you blame him? Oh, no, of course you would. <laughs> Fucking Ebner. Triple H is so good. I would kill <laughs> for like one more match with this Triple H. I mean,. Triple H at this point, I mean, I think he's still very good in the ring, but he was never the same after his uh, quadriceps tear. Oh, yeah. After the 2007 one, he uh, he becomes five moves of doom guy. He just mm. punch, punch, clothesline, spinebuster. No, no, even after the 2001 one, he's still, he's a lot he's, slower in the ring. He's he's bulked up immensely because he used to be a lot, like, he he's used to d- You go back Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Triple H, there's a big difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was still... He was still big in 2001, but he was more, like, defined, and now he's just, like, basically just bulking up constantly. Well, because when he was injured the first time, he really found a passion for bodybuilding. The second time, I think it was more like, okay, I'm a father, time to be safe. Mm. I do not recognize that other referee on the outside. It's not Mike Yoda, I'll tell you that much. No, not Robinson either. No, I can't, Uh, I can't is that referee Chad Patton? Is that Chad Patton? Someone check that. Where are our uh, interns? <laughs> <laughs> Entry number five is Kane. Oh, my God. It's Kane. That, that's going to be Kane. I think he's got a shot. Yeah. 
the masked Kane, still with a beard as well. So what do you think about this era, Kane? I know there's a lot of, like, uh, differing opinions. This, this is when... after the 2001 Royal Rumble where he was uh, kicking ass. He's got yeah. good ring gear on. I like it. This, this is the start of, like, the real comedy Kane character. Like, previous to this, he'd just gotten out being the tag team champions with the Hurricane. Uh, yeah. The Katie Vick stuff happened. This is where Kane was starting to lose a lot of uh, what made him like an unstoppable monster at the start of his career. Well, he, he was... had some comedy stuff back when he, when I was watching, even when he was like oh, with X Park and stuff. Oh yeah, but like he still he still had like that monstrous aspect to him. Now he's feeling a lot more human or just normal, normal big man as opposed to like fire breathing monster. But this oh, there pretty... goes the plexiglass. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool, but the crowd went absolutely mental for that because that's the first time it's happened everything's the first time it's happened in this match <laughs> oh yeah i know but like yeah you, 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 know. you don't get you don't get the reaction nowhere near as big nowadays if that happened even if well, it was good it's a smart move also, having kane to be the one that does it too yeah people are also very spoiled now they want this if they don't get this then yeah. how dare you triple h doing the flare flop there <laughs> Although I will admit, with the plexiglass, it always seems a little lame that it's yeah. plexiglass, you know. But I mean, you you gotta fucking do plexiglass. You can't do actual glass. Oh no! Well, we should, and you know, fuck it. Put Elias through real glass. <laughs> He's suffering for his art. That was kind of awkward. That pickup. Yeah. I wonder how many. I don't know how many matches. Um. Like Kane has like elimination chamber matches. Kane has been in. I think like Triple H. Kane that was a and, really uh, bad choke slam. Yeah, Triple H, Kane, and um, Chris Jericho have probably been in the most out of anybody. So anytime there was a Raw one, Triple H, Jericho, and Sean had some kind of involvement, even if it was just being the referee for Sean in 05. There were so... always in there. Triple H was in six of them, and so was John Cena. They have the record. Edge was in uh, four. Or actually, no, they don't have the record. I'm not looking at this right. Uh, uh, Chris Jericho was in eight. He has the record. Yeah. Triple H, John Cena, Randy Orton all have six, and Kane has five. Yeah. Pretty. Uh, yeah. This was the Triple H special for a while. Not the Booker T special. <laughs> yeah. No, not the Booker T special. The Hell in a Cell, do you guys remember that they used to show that awesome video package whenever Triple H got into a Hell in a Cell match because he never lost them? Yeah, he didn't lose one until 2005. So. Fucking Batista. Hmm. But, yeah, it is um, it is quite interesting to just look, because obviously Booker T's just got eliminated here. It's just interested as well to see these were like the six biggest stars of Raw at the time. Like the, the guys that you could legitimately see being world heavyweight champion and so it's, it's a good it's, six. Oh I mean, yeah it's very good you six. can't really i mean there there's different qualities for different people and stuff and you can sub in like replace kane with batista here and there or you can you know switch now and then with different people and stuff but you give me these six people and say that that's your your main event for raw it's like yeah okay you can believe that not yeah. like and i'm not knocking the guy but elias yeah, he's he's got a little while to go. Yeah, I just yeah, you don't really 
I I don't know on Raw if there was like any other people that would really match up to this level at this point because maybe someone like Christian was on the cusp of it, but you'd ha- you had people on Raw like Bubba Ray Dudley and Stevie Richards and Rico who are on every week. I mean, if you want context, when Triple H wins the world title, the first number one contenders match to see who's going to fight that Unforgiven is Bubba. A 2002 Jeff, who was nowhere near the star that he is now, Rob Van Dam, and The Big Show. Hmm. Very awkward four-way. And it's also funny to see the people that have been in the Elimination Chamber since this time, where we've gotten, like... Mike Knox. Well, we got Knox, we got uh, Kofi Kingston getting eliminated before getting into the Elimination mm-hmm. Chamber, we oh, got that, R-Truth, see, that was good, Big Daddy V. Carlito, you know, Santino. Yeah. Santino lasted until the end, too. And here comes Shawn Michaels. Looking real bad. All the punches. I mean, Sean Sean isn't back to his peak yet. I mean, he he had a great match with with Triple H SummerSlam, but he's definitely not back to... He's definitely not Sean. Which which is so silly, because a month later, he's in full Shawn Michaels attire. He's having a killer two out of three falls with Hunter. You know, I think his confidence just wasn't there this night. No, this is like still a point where he's thinking, how long is this going to last almost? Like, he doesn't know. I don't think at this point. Yeah. Yeah, He didn't do the kick up. I don't think at this point he knows whether he's going to, um, like, stay for an extended period of time. I don't think he knew until about. I think by the next month or about the Rumble, he knew. Yeah. But I just, I don't think he knew at this point. Uh, well, he knew at this point, obviously, but I think about only a couple of days beforehand, he'd been told that he's going to win the world title. Hmm. So he, did, he had no idea. He thought he was just coming in to just, you know, have the match and lose or put Triple H over or something like that. And they said, no, we're going to give you the title. Yeah. Like if I was watching around this time, I probably would have thought that this would have turned out to be Shawn Michaels won that last match. Okay. This is going to cement Triple H. As the top guy, it'll be Sean versus Triple H at the end, and Triple H will screw him over and win. That's probably what I would have assumed. That yeah. would that would have been up on SmartCatMoment.com, which would have been like a bunch of uh, gifts. Angel and, Fire. Angel yeah, Fire. some GeoCities page kind of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Kane doing the kill everybody spot with Chokes Lens. Now he's so the try next to... chamber lineup with Goldberg is a really intense chamber, which in that one, that pretty much happens, Tony, where... Goldberg kills everybody, gets up to Triple H, and Triple H screws him. Sledgehammer, right? Oop, yep. Yeah. Uh, super kick. Super kick. This is a really, <laughs> it's a really cool ending. Young Bucks would be proud of that one. Oh, no, it's so a pretty damn quick for uh, for getting a super kick like that. Yeah, no selling the super kick. Well, because I think he was supposed to do what they would do a million times after this super kick. Spin around into the pedigree into the lion salt. That makes sense. That's two pins for the lion salt as well. Now, there we go. Two pins for a lion salt. I don't think he's ever gotten that since. Nine year old me really marked out for that spot, by the way. These are three of my favorite guys of all time. And Jericho, according to Wikipedia right now, at the very least, has the uh, record for most eliminations in an elimination chamber. Not in a single one. I don't know that, that for sure, but most overall. I, it's great because this is them um, sowing the seeds for uh, the Jericho Michaels feud. 
that took place through quite a lot of 2003, which is probably one of the key factors of me actually getting into wrestling in the first place was that was their match at WrestleMania 19. Definitely one of my favorite matches. Love that match. Yeah, it's one of my favorite matches. I know it's not technically like if you would look at it objectively, it's not one of the greatest matches of all time, but it's just... not anymore. But at, at the time, it was fucking amazing. Like, yeah, that was the that was the that was the match that you kind of knew that Michaels was back and he's back full time because he's back <laughs> <laughs> and he's better than ever. His hair grew back. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is the start of the um, like the start of the two thousand and two onwards Michaels run. Do you do you class that as better than his original run with WWE? Mm, I don't know. I mean, there's pluses and minuses when it comes to. It's sort of like there's three. Actually, I I would consider it to be like there's four eras of Shawn Michaels. There's Rockers Michaels. There's uh, the Click. There's the Return. Of like around this time frame, heading up until like retirement, Michaels. Mm. And for my money, retirement, Michaels is pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, but I when somebody says to me like, "Who's the best of all time?" I always think Shawn Michaels. And for some reason, if somebody says to me Shawn Michaels, I always go to 1996. So- I guess it's just like that initial reign just burned itself in my brain, even though. I actually prefer um, DX Shawn Michaels to uh, Heartbreak Kid, like with the click and that type of baby face and stuff. Like early DX Shawn Michaels, or yeah, or... like real douchebag Michaels. That's my favorite yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, it's fun to look, look back at Michaels at that point. Cause like ninety six, ninety seven is the time where he's the guy. Whereas mm. this is around about the time where he's he's still in the main event, but he's more in the business of putting the next generation over. Yeah. Which, well, I one think... of the key points of the Ruthless Aggression era, which is what we're right at the start of here, is that Austin and Rock are gone and there is no guy, you know? Well, Lesnar was supposed to be the guy. Yeah, and he he dipped after a year and a half. Yeah, and that's where Triple H kind of filled a lot of the void, I guess. Just, all right, we don't have a guy. Fuck it. Well, the guy. well Triple H filled the void and then also prevented anybody else who was better suited to fill the void as well. <laughs> yeah yeah that kind of seems like it is i mean i know i'm coming across as quite negative towards triple h again i don't take anything away from him as a worker or as like his mind for the business but at this point in time he was taking advantage of the fact that rock and austin were gone to just take the position for himself whether he really deserved it or not well who at that time would have been better suited do you think uh well at this point this is just at the start of the brand split and the brand split was essentially a, a vehicle not only to drive competition, but then also there was only ever supposed to be one undisputed champion across both brands. And that was supposed to be Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was supposed to be the guy, really. But Triple H starts getting into the ear and saying, oh, we think Raw should have its own world champion because that means... Do you I really think that that was Triple H saying 100%, that? 150%. Because like, there's enough history behind Triple H maneuvering and politicking his way into title wins and other situations that of Ooh. course i mean this is the point in time where he's still like courting and close to marrying stephanie man you don't think he's in vince's ear any opportunity he can get that's true that he is real close to marrying her here i think what like less than a year 
Yeah, it was 2003. Yeah, towards the end of 2003, I think they got married. Credit where it's due, though. I think that the brand split is one of the reasons why there's no the guy. Yeah. More so than Triple H, because it's like, if you split things in half, then you suddenly have to do double the work, kind of, even though it seems like you shouldn't. Mm. And you're building up, like... Take, I mean, not not to just shit on him because to shit on him, but a guy like a Rob Van Dam in this match, he's a main event guy. If you have one roster and you take all the Raw and all the SmackDown people, everybody that becomes a main eventer in a brand split, they kind of start fighting for that top spot and they start going a little bit down the card. And yeah, uh, you know, a Rob Van Dam in a non-brand split era is a mid carder. He's not yeah. a main event guy. So you get a Rob Van Dam in the main event like this, and suddenly he's a bigger deal, but he still isn't a Rock or an Austin. Mm. He's, uh, you know, Razor Ramon was fucking huge. Never won a world title. So it's like, Oh, that's a nice moonsault as well. That was a very good Good pin, too, like right into it. Yeah. Hebner fucking takes his time, though. (laughs) That was a really good... I was going to say, it was a really good spot earlier with using the line salt again, because that got a really big pop. Because they've already established that it eliminated two people, and so kicking out of it was like just got a really good reaction. So I think that was good storytelling there. I was going to make that point as well. Um, Shawn Michaels trying to beat another Canadian with his submission hold, <laughs> and Triple H with that gorgeous DDT. Yeah, Michaels didn't sell it as well as RVD though. And anyone listening back to this is like, this guy is just creaming himself over 2002 <laughs> Triple H, but he was so good, like. This is me as a kid. These three guys were the reason that I loved wrestling, you know? Mm. When and I originally that- saw it, I thought this was pretty stupid because, like, Jericho is just about to pin Michaels and Triple H pulls him off. So I know it's like an ego thing, but it, it just came across as pretty stupid, really. Well, that, um, that makes sense, though, that he just says, what the hell are you doing? I was just about to pin his ass. Like, yeah, I've never I- liked that in multi-man matches when they're like, Oh, he's about to eliminate him. No, the other guy stops him. Why? What, what are you yeah. gaining? Mm. In this case, at least they're telling the story of Triple H is obsessed with being better than Sean, and he wants to beat Sean for himself. Yeah. Of course, we would learn later that Jericho is also obsessed with being better <laughs> than Sean. That there's a running theme of people being obsessed with Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah. Look at, like, the Young Bucks, Dolph Ziggler, you know? Everybody's just sort of, like... Even, oh, like, a Roderick like, Strong. Superkick is coming, I think. Yeah. Anytime Jericho is in the ring doing a Walls of Jericho on somebody and Shawn Michaels is around, it just becomes like, all right, where's that super kick? Yeah. I don't, I don't know any submission move that gets a, as big a pop as when Jer- Jericho puts the Walls of Jericho in. And it's such a bait. It's just a busting grab. And, like, it just gets such a huge reaction whenever he's about to put it in. Maybe a sharpshooter? I was going to say the sharpshooter, but, like, Brett wasn't around to do it. Oh, oh, there it goes. So nice. That's a good one. <laughs> that was nice. That's it, man. As much as people keep doing those super kicks, the Usos do them, and I mean, it's just everybody fucking does them now. They just lack that oomph that Michaels yeah. has. I mean, he nails people, and he does it perfectly safe. Mm. No, I'll, I'll give Triple H credit for this. He didn't pin a single person in this match. Oh, yeah. So he did, Yeah, he really doesn't. <laughs> So, so he could have, so I'll give him credit for just taking, giving the other guys the rub for that one. Yeah, it would have made sense for him to at least eliminate like, Booker or something. Or, or an injured windpipe or whatever it is here. He's 
you know, holding his own. Oh yeah, he's a one thing I will obviously always give Triple H credit for is like he's a he's a beast in the ring. Like he doesn't matter how injured or hurt he is, he's gonna try and finish off the match in the best he can. And uh real quick shout out to Earl Hebner, like that's a referee that you know. There isn't a lot of them now, you know what I mean? Yeah, now uh you I mean, somebody like myself I pay attention as much as I can. So like John Coon pops up and I'm like, Oh, it's John Coon, like that kind of thing. But if you say to a wrestling fan, Earl Hebner, they mostly know what you're talking about. If you go, Hey, John Coon, they're like, who? You know? mm. And then you got, oh. the- ah, that's oh, sound. Yeah. Did you well, hear that? Did you see his knee though? Like <laughs> Paul Michael Cole. Did you just hear that? <laughs> this was, oh this, my. This was big in the period where basically every wrestler was targeting Shawn Michaels back. Oh yeah, because it was like <laughs> Shawn Michaels has an injured back, and we don't know how well it is. After about oh four oh five, they finally stopped that. Yeah, they start going after his legs or his eyes or something like that instead. <laughs> then it becomes Shawn Michaels has an injured soul. <laughs> Punch his wife in the face. <laughs> he hit him right in the wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a pedigree on. Oh, here oh, we go. Here we go. Oh, and yeah, this is this is a cool spot. This has been replayed in every chamber package since. Oh, God. (laughs) He's got a family, damn it. Both of them doing their best Ric Flair impression, bleeding from the head. Yeah, this was a period of time where basically any Shawn Michaels Triple H match was just buckets of blood being spilled between both of them. I would love to do commentary over the Hell in a Cell or the Last Man Standing that these two end up having. Well, if you have an hour spare, then maybe <laughs> those matches were long. Uh, the I wonder if I put up a poll of like what the one match is that if people were like, do this one, I wonder what that would end up being. We should do that at one point. I one bet. match that I know I really, really want to do uh, a commentary track for is the Iron Man match. Brett Michael- and Sean? Yeah. I really okay. want to do that at some point. I will do that with you. And because of this, I've never been able to finish that one. I always give up like halfway through. I do most of the audience. Well, you know what would really freak me out about that is that end of every Smack Talk episode, that one, two, three is from that match. Uh, so when that pops up, if we were to do a commentary track, I'd be like, all right, it's time to get counted out. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, people will hear that during the actual match itself, and then they'll just think, oh, time to turn off the podcast. Yeah, they'll be like, why is it, why is it still going? What the fuck? <laughs> this is classic uh, JR, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, I haven't been paying too much of the commentary since we've been talking, but this is when JR was still good. Oh, yeah. I mean, this isn't anywhere near the like passion that he was showing in the uh, Michaels Triple H street fight from SummerSlam. Like, that one, he was like, that was one of the best matches I think JR ever called, but he's still awesome in this in this match so i'm gonna throw this out there i don't know if, how much we're gonna record commentary during wrestlemania season but i would love to do the three-way with benoit that well then is- we'd have to it'd be like all right it looks like triple h is getting punched by nothingness <laughs> right now like that kind of thing steven richards is on the attack <laughs> yeah but that three-way back in 2004 i had never seen a match better Always oh. like that little spot. Whoa! Triple H doing the knee. 
gets right up and then straight yeah, over Yeah, Sean pops right up. I thought he was just going to start attacking Triple H with the way that he got up like that. John's just living on the steel at the moment. He's he's just enjoying it. Maybe he just doesn't want to be in the ring. That's <laughs> yeah, something different. Yeah. Shawn Michaels very much was in every WWE first. He was in the first ladder match, first Hell in Cell, first Chamber. Oh. See, that, see that? That's like a call to the um one of Triple H's most underrated feuds, which is with Hell Hebner. Hebner, oh, yeah. Hebner. They had a huge feud most of the time. <laughs> there are so many slingshots. And Triple this H is one of the all... dumbest moves. Yeah. Have we ever seen in an elimination chamber somebody pick up the plexiglass and hit somebody with it afterward? Uh, Braun Strowman might. Keep your eyes peeled. I am so excited to see what Braun does. You know he's got to do something cool. I'm hoping he rips one of the pods from the wall and starts throwing it at somebody. (laughs) Just actually hits him with an entire (laughs) pod. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see... We haven't seen this as far as I, I know. Somebody ripping off a piece of chain and hitting somebody with chain. That would be brutal, man. Just yeah, like make one that's like got a weak link to it, so people know which one it is. And yeah, well, how Strowman rip it off with his hands? Yeah, with his bare hands, just rip this. Get the these chain. hands, boys! Like, come on. Yeah. Uh next uh, jump off. By the way, Shawn Michaels, not to be outdone, has bled more than Hunter. Is gonna dive better than RVD. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he actually oh. is able to pull off a the dive instead of. Hitting yeah. the, in the fucking throat. Yeah, if I was Triple H, I would have been like petrified. I mean, I know he probably feels quite safe with Shawn Michaels, but I would have been petrified to take that move because just any slight slip and his neck could have like collapsed in on itself at that point. I think they actually have a little bit more room now, too, between the top of the pod. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Starting yeah. with the re- redesigned one last year, right? Yeah, it's definitely a lot safer to, if you do want to perform high flying moves from the top of it it's definitely you've got more of a platform to stand on you've got more room to stand it makes it a lot easier also isn't it kind of strange when you are in a normal match and you go to the top rope it's like oh crap they're on the top rope this is so tall and then you get into a match like this and they go to the top of the pod and it doesn't seem that much bigger no but it is it's like that's it's a big fucking height you know like well it's nearly twice the size of the turnbuckle but yeah you're basically doing double the amount, and the top rope is like a big deal in a normal thing. Oh, this is brilliant! This 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 sequence is really good. I think. Is there any finishing move better than the pedigree? The super kick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll agree. I've never as liked as, the pedigree. As long as Sean's doing I'll, it. Yeah, I've always gone. I mean, pedigree is think is a is a great move, but. I've always gone more with the um, RKO in terms of finishing moves. Yes, RKO is a great move. I actually think the stunner is better than the RKO when, when like, it comes to... I mean, the RKO is fun when it comes out of nowhere, but the stunner looks like it hurts more to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, great kick out. By the way, kicking out of finishers meant so much more in 2002, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this time you'd have to hit like three more pedigrees before you actually start caring about kicker. <laughs> Look, he's like begging Hebner, please. Mm. <laughs> Crowd are getting excited. They they can sense this is happening. They, he's they going didn't want to believe it. Again. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I probably started screaming at that point right there. Yeah. Nice super kick. Go the crowd like crazy. Two, three. Do you believe in miracles? Shawn Michaels is the world champion, and he would lose it in a month, and that never sat right with me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, got him another world title reign. Sean I always it. wanted Shawn to have like a run with the title because he would yeah. always be in the world title match. But he would never win. I think it was almost a case of like his fight, his his run from 2002 onwards was kind of his recompense for what he did in the like mid 90s, where he was constantly keeping people down to try and keep hold of the championship and stay on top. This is kind of his giving back to WWE and just doing what Vince told him to do. <laughs> do you believe in miracles? Do you mm. believe? It's just kind of like ah. Confetti all look, over the place. The poor sap has to clean that up. He does yeah. look good with that belt. I think the belt suits him. That belt suits almost anybody. That belt makes people look like an actual champion. There's a reason. Great Und- There's a reason Undertaker never held the spinner. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. That would have been so ridiculous seeing that. You know, if Undertaker would have won that spinner belt, they would have redesigned it then. Yeah, they would have had to. Yeah. You know, it's fine when the Miz has it. It's okay when Randy Orton has it, but no, no for Undertaker. I think well, Miz whole crowd in its feet. I think Miz was the only guy that looked all right with the spinner. Other than Cena, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Look at the confetti. It's amazing. So much confetti. That was a huge moment. That was something like you never thought you'd see. I realized, you know, in 2018, it's kind of laughable. But Shawn Michaels being in the ring was like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, when I stopped watching wrestling, it was like, no, Shawn Michaels is done. Like, that's one of another one of the reasons why I stopped watching at the time was just because it was like, no more Shawn Michaels anymore. But then you get a world champion. So for your first time, how was that? Mm. Uh, Admittedly, not the best uh, chamber match, but fun. Um, Something that I'm glad I actually sat down and watched. (laughs) I mean, that's one of those matches that I had seen bits and pieces of over the years, but never actually just said fuck it i'll watch the whole thing uh still plenty of other chamber matches that i haven't seen and stuff but the reason why we did this one of course first ever women's first ever one period Mm. i think a chamber is one of those matches that in rewatching it and and in retrospect they never hold up because Mm. the roster changes and you'll kind of look at it like Oh, really? That guy was a main eventer? Or, oh, really? They had everybody get the shit kicked out of them by Goldberg? Or, you know, there's always something that just doesn't look right in present time. I mean, I, I, I kind of appreciate it still with this this match, the six people that lined up there, because they were six people that were either former or future world champions. So at least you could kind of get the sense that they were all legitimate main eventers at the time, and they could, at any point in their careers, still main event. But I, get, I, I do get the same feeling that it doesn't hold up as well as you when you first see it, obviously. But give it credit, the Elimination Chamber is one of those gimmicks which has survived, because you could have had... Like obviously, it's a much better concept than like a kennel from hell match or something. But there, are, there are many gimmick matches that just fall by the wayside after one or two uses, and it's persevered and become like one of the the go to matches in WWE. 
Yeah, it's a solid gimmick, I think. There's many other ones that we've had over the years that have been kind of a little bit wonky. But the Elimination Chamber is kind of like, let's take the best parts of Hell in a Cell and add a little bit of Royal Rumble to it, kind of. Because you don't really know who's coming out next. So, I mean, I like the Chamber. I, I like it better when we do kind of what we're doing this year, which is one of the matches is to determine who fights at WrestleMania who isn't the Royal Rumble winner. Because to me, that's sort of like, all right, you didn't win the Royal Rumble. And you need to figure out something else to kind of put them through, I guess. Like, you lost that, you gotta fucking earn it now, and you gotta fight in the goddamn cage to do it, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's what's cool to me about it. Yeah, it's like you missed your chance at the Royal Rumble now, you've essentially gotta go through WWE's version of Hell, essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know they have Hell in a Cell, but, like, this is the... You've gotta face face five other guys in a brutal steel structure in order to get your way to WrestleMania. So yeah. do you do you prefer this or Hell in a Cell? Honestly, uh, nowadays this. Yeah, th- yeah, nowadays this is better than Hell in a Cell. Hell in a yeah. Cell right now is just a cage match. Yeah, yeah. A, a, makes... Not even so much a cage match. It's just a hardcore match that every once in a while they throw the person onto the side of the Hell in a Cell, or, or Shane falls off it. <laughs> yeah. So Hell in a Cell. I mean, now, like, I I don't want that to be a pay per view anymore. I've wanted it we, to stop for years. Same with TLC, but TLC is a different story. Yeah, that's the sense that I get with it. Because Elimination Chamber, like the way that you say, Tony, it's a good thing to do in between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania is like the final chance to earn a spot at WrestleMania. So you can build an entire pay-per-view around it. Whereas you can the still Hell call Cell- it No Way Out. You don't have to call it Elimination Chamber. That's always been sour with me. Like, why do you have to announce yep. these Oh, we're having a TLC match. Why? Because it's TLC, you know? Well, yeah, that's the that's the point. Like, you can still call it No Way Out, but I like the idea of the Illinois Chamber being something that you can do at the same time every single year, whereas Hell in a Cell has lost its mystique because it's delivered at the same time every year. So no matter how big or important the feuds are leading up to it, you know there has to be a Hell in a Cell at the end of that month. Yep. So. So it's different it, for the Royal Rumble and Elimination Chamber because it's got a path to it. Yeah. And it's not like you really would build up like a six-way feud and say, all right, you six guys are battling for the title or whatever, so we're going to put you all in the Elimination Chamber. Whereas Hell in a Cell, it's a one-on-one feud usually, so you can build mm-hmm. that up over time. It's not like you're going to have like six people feuding over the course of three or four months and said, right, now we've got to put you in the Elimination Chamber. Just So yeah. it makes more sense to have this as a gimmick based you can base pay-per-view around and now they're even worse because now it's like you know you're going to get a chamber and you know you're probably going to get a female version of whatever gimmick match you're doing because now it's all about like equality and if there's a male money in the bank there's a female money in the bank i just i wish these but, um, matches would um, have more reasoning i'm totally cool with the idea of uh, them doing a male and a female of every match uh but i don't want them to do like, this is, what's strange to me is, this is in Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Elimination Chamber in Survivor Series? Why not a Survivor Series match, you know? Like, that is the type of stuff that bugs me a little bit. Well, this is weird for the 2002 one, because they're actually, well, there was only one elimination match, well, in terms of, like, traditional tag team elimination match. And it wasn't even traditional, because it was a um, three-on-three table elimination match. This is the one year where Survivor Series basically went off the rails. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess then, that they were kind of just like, well, well, this is kind of like a Survivor Series. It's elimination, like yeah. Yeah, well, they they played around with the idea of elimination. So they had the elimination chamber, obviously. Uh, before this, they had a um, triple threat elimination tag team match for the um, SmackDown tag team titles. And that then, was an elimination. Was it elimination? Yeah, it was because uh, it was a uh, Los Guerreros versus Edge and Rey Mysterio versus and, and Benoit and Angle. Yeah, and then Ron Angle got eliminated first, and then then Ed, uh, the Guerreros won. But hmm. so they so they had some aspects of elimination still in it, but this was the one where they just decided to cast away from all tradition, which is weird because like you may have, I make the assumption that, that makes it like not really Survivor Series, but this is one of my favorite Survivor Series of all time, so it kind of worked as a one-off. Well, they as we talked about, they were doing a lot of experimental decisions like they got rid of a lot of titles and they got rid of you know a lot of fans survivor series <laughs> matches they got rid of a lot of fans they lost their faces they lost hogan a lot of things were happening in 2002 but as you kind of said it's one of my favorite years if not my favorite year period well, people are confused right now about why the uh, ticker is still going, uh, <laughs> but I that's because I'm lazy and I don't want to figure out when the end of that was to to stop it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you could tell. I mean, we've been past well, that I point. Mean, um, it stops itself, you know. Not on the editing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a different story. That's me on Sony Vegas going. Yeah, I'll just let it run. Well, you know what the um, end point is. It's the end of the pay per view on like WWE Network. Yeah. Well. I mean, for that part, but not for the audio stream that we're doing. But, uh, you know, you get, it's you, fine to have a little bit of afterward stuff. And I guess you it's just... Uh, yeah. Um, but that is our thoughts, or those are our thoughts. That's what grammar is. That uh, apply to at least the first ever normal Elimination Chamber match. Uh, at, since we are recording this ahead of time, we don't know any more information about what the Elimination Chamber matches that are coming up for 2018 are going to be. All we know right now is John Cena, Elias, and uh, who's the Braun other one? Strowman. Braun Strowman. And uh, we can, uh, of course, assume Roman Reigns. And obviously, Alexa Bliss is going to be in the Raw Women's Elimination Chamber match. Most likely Bailey, Sasha Banks, Nia Jax, and uh, Ronda Rousey, Mickey James, or something like that. Ronda Rousey. Uh, but that is something that we will be paying attention to more in a little bit of time because the uh, not next week after that, but for the following week is going to be our predictions for the 2018 Elimination Chamber, and then of course the post show for that. But next week, what you guys are going to be hearing is a call the spot. And the way that that works, if you are unfamiliar with Call the Spot, is that we're going to take all those people that are in those Elimination Chamber matches and rank them. Top to bottom, we got, like, Hall of Fame all the way down to released. So stay tuned for all that kind of stuff happening. And if you want to be aware of when that does go up, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel and ring the bell for notifications. You could also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartOutMoment. And pay attention to Fanboys Anonymous as well, because that stuff's been going on here and there, and hopefully the channel will stay monetized. If you want to help with that, keep playing a bunch of videos as much as you can to boost up our watch time. I'm and doing it right follow. now. Yeah, it's always good to have that stuff running, everybody. And uh, if you are interested in donating a buck a month, or even more if you can, the Patreons for Smarkout Moment and Fanboys Anonymous are both obviously at like patreon.com slash smartcutmoment, patreon.com slash fanboysanonymous, whatever those links are. 
But those are my plugs. I need to get to these other plugs here. Callum, what do you want to toss out there? Uh, well, I've got a plug for my uh, kettle and a plug for my uh, dehumidifier. And you can also find me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. No hair have plugs, a... though, right? Nah, not quite yet. My hair isn't that long. <laughs> if you figure it out, uh, give some to Baron Corbin. Oh. <laughs> Robert? Follow me everywhere at Dude Felice, and I've got to go upload the triple threat. yeah stay tuned to uh all the stuff on smartcutmoment.com itself too everybody because those weekly articles are weekly that's the point of them being weekly and anything else that's on smartcutmoment.com of course you will see there but that'll do us in for this smart announce table it's time for us to go thanks for listening everybody drop your comments below and tell me what you think about this match or anything else you want to talk about we will see you next time this has been another smart moment and we're being counted out 